You are this country's first openly gay prime minister. How big a deal is this for you? U.S. investment bank Lehman Brothers collapsed, I said this was a once in a generation a vote. financial crisis. But I believe we have voted today for the next generation. Don't be rude. Ireland has spoken with a clear, strong voice. I think I should stop now and start again, because I don't think you this is a good news. start of the debate. Hi and welcome to the Dublin Law and Politics Review podcast in which we discuss some of the topical developments around policy and regulation in the world right now. If you like this podcast, don't forget to subscribe or find us on Twitter and LinkedIn at Dublin LPR or on our website dublinlpr.ie. I'm Jess Poon and my guest today is Justin Sherman. Welcome to the pod, Justin. We're pleased to have you. Thanks for having me. Justin is a non-resident fellow at the Atlantic Council here to speak to us about the critical and evolving public-private sector cyber relationship. The Atlantic Council is a non-partisan organisation and an American Atlanticist think tank. Let's open by talking a little bit about your work with the Atlantic Council, Justin. My work at the Atlantic Council focuses broadly on the internet and geopolitics. So this spans topics like censorship and surveillance, things that states enact, as well as the private sector side, how corporations are increasingly shaping the physical space and the digital behavior uh, that we call the internet. So how traffic is routed, internet cables, you know, data, data servers. So looking at this landscape and trying to understand what the key security and governance issues are and then how the public sectors can work together to address them. What do you think are the most critical topics we need to educate the public on in terms of cybersecurity and risk management? I think the current pandemic has illustrated some of these kinds of topics. We've seen with increased internet use for virtual working, for schools, for telehealth, for using social media to get information, that the internet's held up very well. It's been quite resilient, just like it was designed for But we've also seen all these other questions come up. It's about access and how certain missions don't have the same uh, internet speeds as other people don't have reliable internet connections that everyone else might have. And related to that, we've seen lots of privacy and security questions come up. People wondering if they're Zoom calling or using Microsoft Teams or any other of these software systems to, to work remotely, what's happening with the data, is this information being encrypted while I'm talking with my boss? So these are various uh, kinds of questions that have been out there for a while, but I think are being brought more uh, into the public view because of what's going on right now. But this, of course, relates more broadly to how much information to make decisions about which apps and pieces of software are trustworthy. And this relates to the requirements that governments do or do not or could put in place for private companies to make sure that the software and services they're providing to customers are safe and are secure and do respect user privacy. I was wondering if you could name some examples of best practice when it comes to policy which bridges gaps between the public and private sectors. Sure. Sharing threat information, I think, is an example where many different countries do it relatively well between their public and private sectors. The financial sector is a great example where 
government entities in different countries, as well as banks and stock exchanges and other financial organizations get together in these groups and they've set up channels in real time to share threat information with one another. So if there's a particular hacking campaign or entity going after one organization in a certain way, they can share information about that attack, about what they're seeing, about how it's happening, and it allows the broader ecosystem in that industry to protect themselves against those threats. So this is something I think that has worked relatively well in a lot of different countries to bring the public and partners together, increasingly on the information side. When we think about disinformation and misinformation on social media, particularly foreign interference we've seen in elections uh, across Europe and the U.S., for example, we've also seen a lot of public-private sector cooperation to share information about where groups are posting fake news from, how they do that, ways to take that down or detect it. So there's certainly a long way to go, and there are lots of areas where public-private sector partnerships can be improved. But I think threat sharing is a great example of how, when you do that well, it can have really positive effects for cybersecurity. Yeah, absolutely. How do you feel the cybersecurity landscape will evolve in the next few years? What are the major trends you see happening? The cyber threat landscape is always evolving, and that's just because the technology evolves very quickly. Company researchers, other individuals are constantly building new tools and systems. And on the other side of things, nation states, cybercrime organizations, lots of different people are figuring out ways to break into those systems, to spy or to steal information. So the landscape's always evolving. One big thing we've seen over the past few years is a rise in ransomware attacks. When someone breaks into a computer, they encrypt the data, and they essentially hold it hostage and say, unless you pay this amount of money, usually in something like Bitcoin, in this amount of time, we'll delete all your information and you can't get it back. We saw a couple global campaigns like Ryan, not Petya, that did this at scale across the world in a couple of years. So I think that's one thing we're going to see increases will become more and more dependent on these computers, especially as these systems impact in hospitals and manufacturing facilities. It's a really lucrative target to attack that system and then make people pay to get access back to it. So that's, that's one major trend I think we'll see. Another is that the Internet of Things continues to grow. These are things like webcams, smart watches, smart speakers, your connected fridge, all kinds of internet connected devices in our home and our workplace. And the proliferation of these devices is rapidly growing, but many of them have another thing we're increasingly seeing is that it's very easy for a hacker to use a default password or some other security vulnerability to break into these devices at scale and then use those to launch attacks or do other things. So that's that's another big trend. One more I just point out is something people have called decoupling. So what is decoupling? Well, if we think of the global technology sphere today, it's very interconnected. There's a lot of interaction online between different people in all different countries supply chain dependencies between different places. If you look at your smartphone or your tablet, 
it's very likely that all of the parts in there come from dozens of different places around the world. So there's all this interconnection going on. But what the decoupling is, is that a lot of countries are increasingly worried that that could pose cybersecurity risks. They're worried about parts that are poorly made that might leave devices vulnerable. They're worried about governments in adversarial countries that might put back doors or other vulnerabilities into those devices to spy. The Huawei saga is a prime example if we're talking about this decoupling. Huawei is a Chinese telecom. They have a huge share of the global market for 5G cellular technology. But lots of countries have been trying to think about whether they should leave Huawei in their systems or take Huawei out because some governments, especially the U.S., it's another trend we're going to see is more and more countries looking at their supply chain, this interconnection, not they should limit that in certain cases when they think there are security risks. Brilliant. Well, that's a great note to end on. Thank you so much for your time, Justin. For more podcasts, follow us on Spotify and SoundCloud for more content. Comments, questions and suggestions are very welcome via contact at dublinlpr.ie. 